love technology. I love gadgets and, and things like that. Um, and uh, so I have to control myself with these things. But, you know, I, I, I take pride in being able to maximize whatever gear I use. You know, I don't just use phones for calling. I use it for everything else that I can do with it, you know. Um, but no matter how good things are or, or up-to-date your gear is, once in a while it starts to go slow, it starts to lag, it starts to malfunction, things start not opening and start crashing. And what is the first thing that they tell you always to do when your phone or computer starts to give you problems? What? Hmm? Restart, yeah, restart, right? Reboot, right? Um, and uh, I, I, I'm kind of addicted to restarting things because every time I feel like there's a little bit of a lag because I can't stand it. Like, I don't know how people use, uh, you know, like slow things. It's just I'm so impatient like that. And I just automatically reboot, restart, you know, and uh, reset the RAM and all these things, you know, just so that I can get things running fresh again, fast again, right? And I think the same can be said for organizations as well, right? Companies want to reboot at times. They want to restructure at times. They want to even relocate to a different place at times in a brand new building so they can have a fresh start, right? Um, and a lot of times what is most needed in those times is actually go, go back to go back and to revisit why the company exists to begin with, how the company even began. Because over time, you, you kind of, it's so easy for us to forget why it exists, right? And so in the same manner, I believe that we sort of have to spiritually reboot here and there. Okay, restart once in a while. And uh, I'm looking around here in this group, and uh, some of us have, may have uh, just kind of found our, yourself, ourselves in this church, and then, you know, you didn't know how you end up, you don't know, you don't even know right now how you are here. You ended up here, and you're just kind of taking things on. And, and those of you that, that are like that, you may need to restart. Uh, your kind of a spiritual life right now, kind of recalibrate things, right? And some of us have been Christians for a very long time, you know, and I don't know if you know, uh, uh, you know, when you have all these apps running in the background on your computer or phone, eventually they start to add up and all these processes are going on in the background and it starts to lag the system. And then you have to quit all those things and then restart the system, right? Some of us who have been Christians for a long time, I think there is a lot of things in your spiritual life that are running in the background, maybe in the foreground, I don't know, but that, that could use a, a, a rebooting, restart. You know, some of them are unnecessary things. Some of them are things that you think are important, but not really. It's just over the course of your spiritual journey, you've you picked up all these things, and some of them maybe even bad habits in your spiritual walk. Okay, maybe bad theology even. Okay, and, and you just need to kind of, you know, ex all the windows and quit the apps and restart. Some of us are in, in those places. Some of us are brand new Christians. Some of us, uh, our faith is very new for us. And, uh, and you're, you're, you know, when you get a new phone, what do you do? Or, or, you know, you download all these apps, right, whatever they tell you. You know, uh, at the end of the year, all these articles I started seeing on my news app, you know, on my phone was like the 10 essential apps for your new iPhone, you know, 15 apps to download for your Android. You know, all these things, and you're excited, so you're downloading all these things. And maybe you are a new Christian. Maybe you are kind of fresh in your faith, and so you're, you're excited. You're, like, just kind of soaking up everything. You're listening to every kind of sermon out there, listening to every kind of praise song out there, reading every book. It'd be nice if, if we're kind of have that kind of zeal, actually. But maybe you are like that. But 
not all of them are going to be good for you. Not all of them are going to be healthy or helpful in your spiritual growth. And so you got excited, and, and what do they do? After you install all these new apps, you actually need to, what, reboot, restart the system in order to get it working smoothly. And so what we want to do uh, as a church this year is to reboot spiritually. All of us together as a community, we want to reboot, restart our spiritual journey, our, our faith. Okay, and how are we going to do that? For the better part of this year, um, actually a large part of this year, we're going to study one book in the Bible together. We're going to study the book of Acts. And the entire series is going to be called Acts Reboot. Okay, and what do I mean by that? Acts is a book that chronicles the, the start, the beginning, birth of the early church. And you know, over time, we pick up all these things, unnecessary things, and there's lots of baggage. And I, I think right now is a good time for the church, our community, to go back to that time and to see why the church exists to begin with, what the church was like in the beginning before we picked up all this stuff. So that's what I want to do uh, together as a, as a church, um, examine how the church began in the first place. And the hope is that by, through this, our church will gain a better understanding of what we are supposed to be about. Why are we doing all these things? And should we be doing all these things? Okay. And so with that, um, we're going to go through every single chapter of Acts throughout this year. And I, I've, you know, we can't go through every single verse, um, but I, I just kind of um, made a schedule of all the sermons. And it's going to take us about 35 Sundays all right, so it's going to take us through the end of summer, and we'll, up in, we'll, we'll by the time September rolls around, we'll be done with the book of Acts together. Um, it's going to be a long journey, but it'll be rewarding, and you're going to be able to say, we went through the entire book of Acts as a church together. It's going to be pretty amazing. So uh, just, you know, we'll, there will be breaks in between here and there for Easter and, you know, things like that, but for the most part, we're going to go through it together, and in our life groups we're also going to be studying the book of Acts together, okay? Um, so with that, I want to start us off from chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. So these four verses are the verses that we're going to start this series off with. So when they met together... They asked him, these are the disciples, when they met together, they asked him, Jesus, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Yeah, I'm going to read that uh, verse 8 one more time. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Amen. Let's pray one more time. God, we just want to uh, dive into the book of Acts right now as a church, Lord. And I pray that you will have mercy on us and that you will have compassion on us and you will remind your people that have come together as your children who are called by you to be here, uh, to be able to see clearly what we're being called to, 
throughout this year, as we study together as a church, I ask that you move in our hearts to help us to be open to your word, help us to be open to your movements in our lives, and help us to understand better and more clearly what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a church in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it is a study on Acts, so I want to give you a brief intro to the book of Acts. Acts is, is written by a person named Luke. Okay? It's, a, it's, it's, it's accepted. It's widely accepted. It's not debated really. And Luke actually has written two books in the New Testament. Okay? Uh, guess what the other book is? <laughs> Luke, okay, uh, Luke. Um, and so Luke th- wrote Gospel of Luke, and he also wrote uh, the Acts of the Apostles, all right? And as early as uh, the first, uh, first, second century, our early Christian fathers, they attribute these uh, books to Luke. Um, and, uh, I- you know, if you uh, look at the books, um, it, the two books, they're kind of two-volume series. It's not two separate books that have nothing to do with each other. They are connected. They're, in fact, addressed to the same person named Theophilus. Okay, and so Luke is writing to this person named Theophilus who seems like he's holding um, some sort of a high position um, because he has a title and he's very respectful when he's uh, addressing him. And he's trying to give him a a very historically accurate account of of who Jesus was in the Gospel of Luke, what he did, and uh, uh, the chronicle of, of the early church. Okay, so that's what he's doing. And they both have uh, pretty much same writing style, uh, language, grammar, structure, all these things. Um, and uh, Luke also, um, uh, most people believe that he was a doctor, he was a physician. Paul, in other letters um, in, in, the, in the New Testament, refers to Luke as a doctor. Um, and obviously Luke traveled with Paul uh, throughout Paul's missionary journeys. For some of them, because, you know, the, the, the pronoun changes, you know, we were there, we went there, to I, you know, we, I. So Luke was an eyewitness to a lot of these things that he writes about in the book of Acts. Okay, that's like the super brief introduction to Acts, so, so that you can say, okay, I know who wrote the book of Acts, all right? And you, 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 uh, Acts has got to be uh, my favorite book in the whole Bible. Okay, it, it, it is, uh, you know, from Genesis to Revelation, it is, it is my uh, all-time favorite book. It is so exciting. It's got angels, it's got demons, it's got visions, it's got politics, it's got drama between friends. They are friends, and then they break up, they split up. And then it's got, you know, uh, tortures, it's got, you know, beatings, it's got escape story, it's got shipwreck stories, it's got storms, it's got everything in this one book. So it's super exciting. But more than anything else, the reason why I love this book so much is because, you know, I just mentioned all these factors, these little parts of the, of the book to you, but more than anything else, the entire book is about the, the verses that we just looked at today. Okay, what do I mean by that? Verse 8, the verse that I just read twice for you. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you had to summarize the, the book of Acts in one verse, that's it. If, you, if somebody asks you outside of church, you know, hey, what's the book of Acts about? Oh, I'll tell you what it's about. The Holy Spirit comes on the church and they become witnesses. That's it. That's the entire book. That's the entire book of Acts. That's how you summarize it. And, and, and it is super exciting because we get uh, pretty much the uh, introduction to the Holy Spirit and then how he works in the church. All right? So uh, that's, that's where we want to start from. So you know what the book is about. And throughout the next um, uh, 35 Sundays, 
okay, throughout the year, we will see more in detail how all of this gets unfolded, all of this gets played out in the lives of different apostles, disciples, um, pagans, Gentiles, okay, um, and all these things. We'll see how all this gets played out. Um, just remember that the book is about the Holy Spirit coming on church and the church becoming witnesses to everywhere, okay? And um, now, so the scene, let me set this scene up for you. Um, so the disciples are together and they're with Jesus. Now Jesus had died on the cross and the three days after he rose from the dead and he begins appearing to many of his disciples, like physically appears to many of his disciples and he lets them touch his, you know, scars and he eats with them and he uh, talks with them, he teaches them, explains to them how everything in the scriptures is pointing to him and how he's the fulfillment of all these things. And now the time comes, <coughs> excuse me, disciples don't quite know what to expect yet. Okay, and judging from today's question, the question that the disciples ask, they, they, they still don't fully get it. Okay, but they're all together and Jesus is, as we know, uh, we already know, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Okay, um, and, and, and the disciples asked, him this question, oh, hey, are you going to re restore the kingdom to Israel? So disciples are still stuck on this. Uh, maybe some of them are still stuck on political agenda. Maybe they still didn't get a quite, quite the big enough of a picture of what Jesus had done, even after him teaching it and explaining all these things after the resurrection. Okay? And Jesus kind of says, hey, hey, don't worry about it. It's not for you to know exactly how God is going to restore everything and redeem the creation and, and how he's going to create the new heaven and new earth. Don't worry about it. You, you know, only God knows. Only God knows. Remember, Jesus, when he was with them before even crucifixion, he said, only God knows, um, you know, when I'm going to return. Okay? Um, and so he kind of reminds them of this. But he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Remember, Jesus, when he was with the disciples, before he was betrayed, one of the last words in John is that, I have to go. I have to leave you because otherwise the Holy Spirit can't come. And I'm leaving you now, but the Holy Spirit will come and he will guide you into all truth. This is very important. He says this to the disciples. And here, after the crucifixion, after resurrection, and right before ascension, he tells the disciples again, reminds them, Holy Spirit will come. Holy Spirit will come. Now, obviously, Holy Spirit is very important. Holy Spirit is very important. We need to understand that the Holy Spirit is essential and absolutely foundational to uh, a Christian life, healthy Christian living, okay? Holy Spirit is absolutely at the core of, of, of uh, uh, Christian life. This Holy Spirit is the third person of Trinity, okay? God, Jesus, and, uh, you know, uh, whenever I, we, you receive benediction, uh, you, you know the order, right? The what? Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our God the Father and what? What's the last one? Remember, remember? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit, right? So we pray in the, in the Trinity, right? So who, and this, this uh, God is a personal being. Jesus is a personal being. And Holy Spirit as well is a personal 
being, and he actively engages and interacts with each believer. And if we ignore this Holy Spirit or don't give it much thought or put it in the kind of the back, you know, a shelf or whatever, uh, then, then we would be missing out on a huge part of what our Christian walk is supposed to be about, what our faith is about, what our salvation is about, what it means to grow in Christ is about. And Jesus obviously is not just talking about a single event. He's not talking about a time or a specific event, and that's it. He's not talking about, hey, this is going to happen, and that's it. He's talking about a personal being coming on to the disciples and what will happen as a result of that. And as important and as real as the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit is a very mysterious part of Trinity. That's why there's a lot of misunderstanding about the Holy Spirit. Right? There's a lot of things that we don't understand how the Holy Spirit works, why the Holy Spirit works in such a way. Um, and and the, uh, because we have finite mind and limited understanding um, throughout the history, and even now, we, have, we struggle to church split up over, churches fight and argue over what the Holy Spirit really is about. It's really, it, it's, it's not easy, okay? It, it's, it's difficult. I mean, the, the idea of Trinity, you know, three in one, God, we believe in one God, but that it's, 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 it's triune being. Uh, there's a community within the Godhead. I mean, that's a very tough thing for us to understand very difficult thing for us to understand. And, and, and because we have a finite mind and limited understanding, one of the better ways, one of the only ways, I think, uh, for us to understand, get an idea of who the Holy Spirit is, is by looking at different metaphors. We can't help it. it it's really tough. It, it's really tough. It's hard to just say this is exactly what the Holy Spirit is. And even Jesus uses his uh, uh, things. And you look at the scripture from Old Testament through New Testament, there are numerous kind of um, symbols or, or, or um, kind of references or metaphors uh, about the Holy Spirit. Okay? Um, and I've listed them for you, um, just seven of them. I think uh, just when Mike was not at the desk, I said, uh, I want the slide up there. So there, there are seven uh, main, main kind of references or, or symbols for the Holy Spirit in the, in the Bible. And one of them is rain. Okay, that Holy Spirit is like the rain, comes down like the rain. Okay, um, Acts 2.17, uh, referring to an Old Testament prophet, minor prophet, Joel actually. But that Holy Spirit comes down like the rain. Spirit will come pour out like the rain. And the second one is like the river. Holy Spirit is like the river flowing through, overflowing out of the believer's heart. Okay, and the third, and John Jesus actually says is that in the whole, it's, like the, it's like the wind. You don't know where it's coming. You don't know where it's going. But you can't see it. Okay, um, it, like the wind. And there are obviously uh, many references uh, in the Bible uh, referring to spirit as the oil. Okay, oil of anointing. Okay, oil of anointing. Um, and also like the wine. This might be a, a favorite metaphor for some of you. I know Holy Spirit is like, like the wine. Ephesians 5.8, okay? Uh, and uh, obviously, you know, we're going to be looking at this later, but in Acts chapter 2, the book we're studying, Holy Spirit comes down like a fire, okay, uh, that consumes and that refines, that cleanses, okay, a fire. And, of course, when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit comes like what? Comes down like a dove, right? Okay, so these are some of the metaphors in the Bible referring to the Holy Spirit. Now you look at it, and I don't know about you, but I still don't have a clear idea of what the Holy Spirit is like. It's a very mysterious being. Apparently, you two, uh, Bono's song, 
mysterious song. Who, who knows that song? You two. She moves in mysterious. Sarah's laughing like a lot. She loves that song apparently. Okay, I like that song. Apparently, it's it's uh, referring to the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit is a very mysterious being. It's hard to grab onto it and say, this is a Holy Spirit, I got you. Now I know what you are or who you are, where you are exactly. It's really tough to do that. And I, I look at this, and this is the only way I can make sense in my own head about the Holy Spirit, is that why all these different ways of thinking about, picturing the Holy Spirit, imagining the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, referring to the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you why. For me, this is the only way it makes sense that this is uh, possible. It's because, precisely because Holy Spirit is a personal being. Holy Spirit is a person. Holy Spirit is a personal being that we interact with. What do I mean by that? I've been married to my wife for, you know, many years now. Okay, notice how I, I avoid the specific numbers now. <laughs> okay, just many years. That's good enough, right? Okay, many years, and, and, and she is a real person. I am a real person. And even though I think I know her, there are still, at least once every week, when she reacts a certain way to whatever I said or did, I'm still surprised. Really? This causes you to be upset? I was just joking. Or, you know... Why aren't you laughing? This is a joke. Or, you know, why, why are you reacting this way? And I, I'm still not, that might be because she's a woman, I'm, I don't know. You know, but it, it, the, the, the thing about reacting, uh, uh, interacting with the real person is that you never get the same thing. You know, if you interact with a person occasionally, you might be able to get a consistent, kind of like if you're a boss and, and you, you have a boss and you're, you're under the boss or you're the boss or you work with, the, you know, whoever is under you or whatever, and, and you have an occasional interaction with them and you're going to get more or less kind of a consistent reaction. But the more you intimate you become uh, with a certain person, your friend, coworker, or, or classmate or whatever, um, your interactions are become a more... Uh, uh, you know, it's going to be different every time. It's going to be, it's going to have variety. You know, it's going to be kind of like sometimes you don't even know what you're going to get. You know, and, and the more you intimate you become, you realize, hey, this person is not that simple. This person is very complex. Okay, because you're interacting with a real personal being with personality, right? I'm not interacting with this music stand, you know. I'm interacting with a real person. And I, because Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a real personal being, we're going to have all different ways of interacting with the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit has personality. The Holy Spirit is going to uh, interact with us in different ways according to God's will. And there are other, some other popular analogies um, um, that I've kind of found and that I've heard over the years. One, one, one um, uh, kind of example that someone gives is, uh, uh, some people give is, it's like chocolate milk. But not like chocolate milk from a package, but a glass of milk, regular milk with chocolate syrup. And syrup is apparently the Holy Spirit. You put it in there, it's in there. If you're a Christian, it's in there. But what do you got to do to make it chocolate milk? Because it all sinks to the bottom. Yeah, you got to stir it, right? So I, I don't know if that's, you know. But that's one of the, you know, it kind of helps us understand a little bit. Okay, and again, this, the other analogy that's super popular um, is uh, getting drunk. Okay, Ephesians 5, right? Uh, just getting drunk. Don't get drunk with wine, but be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, notice it's be filled. Only since they don't get, you know, they didn't get drunk with the Spirit. Uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, 
And uh, I kind of like this analogy too because it's easy to understand what the author is saying when he says be filled with the Spirit. The, the kinds of effect that alcohol has on people uh, when you're, um, we're, not, we're not talking buzz, we're talking like you're, you know, um, <laughs> taken over by uh, the alcohol. And, you know, and, and so, okay, I, I get it um, that, that, that we are to kind of let this uh, substance, you know, take control over us, and, and you, um, you are letting it, you know, all your inhibitions are gone, and, and you're just kind of being controlled by this, this thing, you know, and, but, you know, that kind of falls down to, because, you know, you, usually you have certain negative side effects with just getting drunk, right? Um, um, why are you shaking your head? Oh, I thought you were shaking your head, like, no, no side effects, no side effects. It's all good. Um, there are side effects, Bernie, okay? So trust me. All right, so, um, so, so you know, um, but my favorite act, analogy about the Holy Spirit is, um, and it breaks down too, but like all analogies do, is, uh, is dancing, is dancing. Um, I know some of you like to dance. I definitely have uh, two left feet, and, and uh, so I don't do dances, Okay, uh, I, don't, I don't do it, but nevertheless, I still like the analogy. I, it is my favorite analogy, dancing with God, dancing with the Holy Spirit. You know, in Galatians chapter 5, it says you've got to keep in step with the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. You know, um, and, uh, you know, when, when a couple is dancing, you have one person that's following, but the other person is what? leading, right? You got a person who's leading and you got, a, you got the other person who's kind of, you know, following, you know, going along with that. And so you got, you got one leading, one following, and, and you got the Holy Spirit in the leading position, and you got the Christian, you got the believer in the position of following the lead of the Holy Spirit. And I love this because, you know, you're not like completely drunk that you have no like, you know, capacity to make your own decisions or anything like that. You're, you're of sound mind, but you're being led, and, and you're willingly letting the other person lead. You're willingly letting the Holy Spirit take over your life, and you're going and following and obeying, and sometimes it's a very obvious, strong movement the person is doing, and you're, you're giving in to that. But sometimes it's very subtle movements, little steps here and there, little flick of wrist or whatever it is. I have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of dancing, but I imagine that's the case, all right? Um, and some of you can help me who are more into dancing. But, um, you know, and sometimes all, all of that is going to be rehearsed. Sometimes it's going to be improvised, right? Um, and, and the thing is, as you are dancing together, you know, it's, it's, it's different from just one person dancing, right? There is a, a kind of an, a synergy that's created that, that is greater than the sum of uh, the two, right? And, and so, um, and, uh, and as the one who's following, if you're not that, if you're not at the same, quite at the same level as the lead, I, I heard that really good lead can actually make you look good too, you know, as long as what? You completely follow the lead. Let him lead or let her lead or whatever, right? And you just, you just kind of, and this is why it's my favorite analogy. Uh, and you are, and all of this to say what? That Holy Spirit is a real personal being. It's not a theological abstract concept that we just say we have to believe in order to be a Christian. This is a real person that as a Christian, we are interacting with every day of our life as a Christian. And as a result, this is a, a crucial part of a Christian life. So when people say Christianity is not a religion but a relationship, 
That's what it means. You actually have a relationship with the real person. You don't have a relationship with an abstract theological concept or doctrine, okay? But you have an actual personal relationship with a personal being. You don't pray to a set of doctrines. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't pray to a statement of faith. You're praying to a real being. But because so many believers, so many Christians, myself included, and all of you here in this room, we forget this. We, because Holy Spirit is mysterious, because Holy Spirit is not visible, okay, that we forget and we kind of, you know, put it in the place of just, just doctrine and then we just kind of go on living our lives. You know, it's almost like reciting our, repeating the doctrines and then that's how we, who we are as Christians. And we forget this, that, that we, uh, our life is, is missing something as a believer. We're missing out on some major parts. Uh, when I was in college, one of the books that really helped me uh, in my faith was written by uh, a pastor from Chicago named um, A.W. Tozer. Um, he's, he's, he's passed away in the, in the 1960s. Um, but um, he was a just really fiery, passionate, powerful preacher from Chicago in the early uh, first half of uh, the 20th century. And uh, in one of his books, he says this, If the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today... So right now, if the Holy Spirit just withdrew from our church today, right now, 95% of what we're doing would go on as it was, and no one would know the difference. We would just be doing everything we're doing, all the Christians, all the churches, if the Holy Spirit suddenly just went away. We would be doing the same thing in 95% of the things, and nobody would even notice that the Holy Spirit is missing. What? Like You wouldn't even notice. You wouldn't even think to ask. But you will find out that as you go through the book of Acts, if the Holy Spirit were to withdraw from the New Testament church, whoo, just goes away, 95% of what they were doing in the early church would just stop. It just, just powered down. It's like that. Okay? Right now, if the Holy Spirit were to withdraw, 95% would just go on like nothing ever happened. But you look at the early church in the New Testament, the book of Acts, if the Holy Spirit just suddenly, the church, okay? sorry for my, <laughs> that's what would happen. So you think about that. That is one of the most convicting things I've ever heard in my Christian life. What does that say about the church today? That we, a lot of us are operating Apart from the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. And I believe it's true. I believe it's true. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This power that comes with the Holy Spirit is an amazing thing that he's talking about. Again, we're going to be reading throughout the book of Acts some amazing stories. But this power, you know what? This power, when you look at the, the word in its original language, you know, it, it's, uh, it, that's where we, where we get the word dynamite from. What is a dynamite? Who knows what a dynamite? Dynamite was my high school mascot. Okay, what's a dy- what does dynamite do? It, what? You said it and... It explodes. It's power. It's explosive power. It's not just you're going to receive power, you know. But you're going to receive, bam! 
huge explosive power, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive this explosive kind of power. And the original word, it has this uh, implication, it has this kind of sense of potentially dangerous power. Potentially, you're going to receive potentially dangerous, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Christianity is an explosive religion. We have to understand that. We have to know this. We have to know that about yourselves. Being a Christian is not a safe thing. Being a Christian is not a tame thing. It's an explosive thing. It's a dangerous thing. Jesus said, you will receive that kind of power. Look at what Jesus did. He challenged the status quo of that time, and he just rocked it completely. He took the paradigms that people had at the time and just shook it upside down. And he said, no, you got it all wrong. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. It's potentially dangerous power. Who is it dangerous to? Is it dangerous to me? It's a power that is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. The world that is bound in sin. The enemy who's still exercising influence over many, many, many people. What does Apostle Paul say? You know, Christ is like the sweet aroma of life to those who are being saved, but it's like the smell of death to those who are perishing. The, the, the Christian, the gospel, the, the, the Holy Spirit that he's talking about here, it comes, this power that can, that's potentially dangerous and explosive is dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. It is dangerous to the force that tries to keep people bound in sin. And this is the purpose of the Holy Spirit, to, to, to let the gospel expand the kingdom of God in this dark world. And this power, again, the Holy Spirit is a mysterious thing. And you look through the book of Acts, and this power, you know what, can release people from demonic oppressions. It can release people from certain addictions that people have, whatever it might be. The power can bring sometimes physical healing. I've seen it. I pray for healing. Some of you may have experienced it in your life. Don't tell me you can't do it. I see it in the Bible that it did, and it's still happening. Power can bring reconciliation to people who have broken hearted from broken people who are broken hearted from broken relationships. And this Holy Spirit can give you wisdom and discernment in situations you just feel so confused and lost. And this power can bring you peace and joy that transcends the, what the world says what peace and joy is about. So in the most uh, horrendous situations, you're able to have peace. Just like Stephen, we'll look at it. Who, and he, as he was being stoned to death, he was able to die with, literally with a smile on his faith, face because he saw Christ. Most importantly, this power of the Holy Spirit can bring the gift of salvation to those who are dying without hope. And this is what the Holy Spirit is. And so what, what is the Holy Spirit for? You know, the Holy Spirit comes, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And, and what? The, 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 the purpose, the reason why this is happening, he says, and you will be what? You'll be what? My witnesses. My witnesses my witnesses to give an account of what you saw and what you experienced 
through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this testimony of a witness has the power to set people free. Do you realize how much power each one of us has as a Christian who has received the Holy Spirit? So the rest of the book of Acts is how all of this gets played out in the early church. The power of the Holy Spirit and the people of God being called to be witnesses. I said that in the beginning, some of us may be new believers, some of us may be somewhat new believers, um, some of us may be old believers, you know, and, and I said that regardless of where we are right now, it would help to reboot. Um, just kind of, you know, let, let, let the system have a fresh start, you know, only the essential apps running and the processes running in the background, and that's what we're trying to do, and this is where we're starting from. Christ, as he was being sent, he said, the Holy Spirit will come on you and you will receive this power and you will be my witnesses. That is the beginning of the church. That is how it all starts.